Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. I'm Andrew. And I am Kelly. Kelly? Yes? You're married. Yep, I sure am. I can't, I mean, I can believe it. I was, I was there, but <laughs> that's why we've been gone. That's why I'm we've sure been gone. People know, right? People listen. Yeah, I think a lot of the people who listen probably know us in real life. So they you probably also... know that I had kind of a big life event happening last weekend. So we also told them that we'd be gone. <clears throat> that's true. <laughs> so, but I also forgot, got sick. I also got sick, so that's why we're a little bit later than our usual Tuesday episode. Yeah. So please forgive me for my transgressions, audience. I apologize. Do you know who's not going to forgive you? Who? Jim Ryan. Mm. Uh, one day after Kelly made jokes about uh, assassinating what? PlayStation <laughs> America president Jim Ryan. I, uh... I okay. Please don't implicate so, me. He's retiring. He's not dead. Right, right. But when I saw a text from friend of the show Cameron that said, "Oh my God, Kelly did it," with a a URL, I thought Jim Ryan died, and like <laughs> I was gonna be frightened. Yeah. But no, Jim Ryan is simply stepping down. He's retiring. This is not him. Well, maybe he's leaving in shame. I don't know. <laughs> He, publicly, they're just saying that he's retiring, so there will be a new president of the Sony Interactive Entertainment Division soon. I hope this is good news. I'm not even really sure what any of this means anymore, you know? What does a CEO really even do at a video game company? What do CEOs even do at he, any company? He shows up daily and goes, Live service! Live service, and yeah. then he goes home. I think. I guess the question is, whoever is the per the person that is fully going to replace him, not just the interim CEO, but the person who's fully going to replace him. Yeah. What their priorities will be if if the live service push at Sony was really directed by Jim Ryan alone, or if it was something else? Because maybe it was like stakeholders or. Uh, people, I don't, I'm not even sure. So my thoughts are, I don't really know if this is good news. I couldn't, and I, I couldn't really say. We're not going to know for a long time anyway, because he's retiring in April. Yeah. Um, the current CFO is going to help till April. And then in April, he'll take over his interim, which means who knows, maybe it'll take even longer after that to find a new CEO. And then how long after that does it take for us to see the impact on video games? Because games take years to develop. Right. Meaning if a new CEO shows up and he's like, I want to go all in, single player games, not everything needs to cost a billion dollars, let's go. Theoretically, we wouldn't even start seeing the effects of that for like at least a few years. So this might not even have an impact until like PlayStation 6, which is scary. Yeah. That but is. hopefully it, it does. Like we're going to be gaming forever. You know, I it would be nice if the PlayStation 6 was better than the 5. Yeah, gamers till death do us part. Kelly, get the wedding out of your head. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that is what your vows were, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, that was the closing line of our vows. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it was a really emotional ceremony. <laughs> Until then. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I stood up and I just applauded. <laughs> and I had to be escorted out. Yeah, it, it got kind of crazy at the wedding. I won't lie to you guys. Yeah, there's a lot of gaming going on. There was. We had gaming stations so people could play Spider-Man 2. <laughs> it was the same day. It was. You did get roasted a little bit for your gaming habits. Not roasted, but but a little bit roasted. People called you a gamer more than once publicly. I know. How embarrassing Like during speeches and everything. <laughs> there is no hiding your gamerhood. I know. I know. Don't I know it? <laughs> it's a part of me. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't hide that. It's ingrained. It's truly ingrained. There's no escape. There is not. So um, there's not really a good transition into the next story. It's actually very sad. So thanks, Andrew, for making us feel happy and laughing. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Um, During the course of our three-week break, um, two-week? Three-week. Three-week break, uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of layoffs have been announced Throughout the industry, um, some really big ones include, you know, Epic Games, uh, Naughty Dog, <clears throat> Telltale. I mean, Epic Games laid off 16% of its workforce, Jeez. which is um, a lot. It's also like hundreds of people, right? Yeah. So yes. that's a lot of people who got laid off. Um, you know, the people making The Last of Us Part 3, there were a lot of layoffs there. Um, Telltale is... Um, well, we were kind of talking about it before the show started. Uh, Telltale has been like absolutely gutted. So this, uh, I'm not really sure what the future of that studio is going to be as a studio that's always, that's already been through a lot. I'm not really sure what they could do here. Um, so yeah, I don't, don't think it's that. I don't think that's good. No, no. Um, so yeah, this is really unfortunate. I feel like. There's a lot of layoffs in every industry right now, but um, I think it's a little bit alarming the rate at which it's happening, particularly in the gaming industry, um, especially with the advent of, you know, these sort of like cheap technological like, oh, you can use AI to do this, 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 and this. And it's it's just a little bit alarming. Not saying that that's why this is happening right now, but, you know, I think you can put two and two together. I think you can point at the you know the advancement of artificial writing and artificial design and and also see the uptick of people getting laid off especially writers and designers. So Yeah. Just Yeah, I don't I feel it's just annoying to see because so many of these studios don't need to lay off employees like they're doing well. Yeah. Um and I know like Naughty Dogs is a little murkier because it was contractors which is like oh well it's not layoffs and it's like okay but cutting off contracts without warning that's a layoff especially when like it's implied that you're going to be working through the rest of the game and like some of these don't like epic games was like sweeping across all of their different conglomerates so it's like it doesn't hit one thing specifically necessarily but like naughty dog and telltale it's like that last of us multiplayer game is not doing good i'm sure I would be shocked if it's not like soft canceled at this point. Um, yeah. Telltale. I mean, unless unless Wolf Among Us Two is finished, and they are just like laying off people during the QA phase, which is still very bad. But unless it's finished and like they're just QAing, 
it's not a good sign for that game. I just can't imagine a world in which that game, which was announced like two years ago, is not almost done. Almost done. Like it, unless they weren't working on it at all, but there was like stuff from inside the game. I don't know. And like, I'm not trying to be like, I'm not trying to devalue like the work that people put into video games because I know that it's a lot, but I think it's very different from a game like, you know, like a big multiplayer game or like these games that require like really intense, heavy infrastructure. I don't know. I just think it's odd that it was announced so long ago and it's not done. It might've just been one of those executive things where like it fell way out of scope because they kept asking for too big of things. Yeah. And like, it did look graphically really stunning. And part of me is like, it didn't need to like, obviously it's nice, but like I'd rather the game come out and be good. And it's so stylized. There's just no reason that it needs to be like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really understand what's going on with that game. And I fear that I never will. No. I mean, I guess layoffs are just, I don't know, 50% 50 of this show uh, knows something pretty well about layoffs at the moment. Uh, uh, Don't worry. It's good for gaming. The audience should be happy. (laughs) You got lots of free time when you're laid off to game. It might be good for um, like mental health, right? Yeah, Maybe I get not. to play games. Yeah. I get to play so many games. That's my new job. Yeah, it's like, who wants to work? We're not put on this earth for the, like, you know, if we're lucky, 80 plus years that we have to work, you know? Yeah. We're, you we're know put on this sh- earth to game. Yeah. <laughs> Except there's one, I would like some people to still work. Right. For my benefit. And that would be the studio over at Netflix. Studio Mir, run by Adi Shankar, who previously brought to life the uh, Castlevania series. He has officially shown, I guess I don't actually know at what venue this was shown. I think there was some kind of Netflix event. A trailer, a little teaser, very brief teaser for Devil May Cry. No announcement for release, but it is coming to Netflix. And there was a few seconds of Dante being cool and firing guns. I, there's not a lot to say besides the fact that I am, because we've known about this for like, I feel like we've known about this since before the show started. We've known about this a very long time. Mm-hmm. So seeing it in action for a second, I'm like, okay, this this is actually coming to fruition. And I'm very excited about that fact. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I feel like Netflix is definitely the new home of video game animations. Yeah. Well, I didn't watch it yet, but there's that Blood Dragon television show, um, which is like a Ubisoft. It's like loosely based on the Blood Dragon DLC for Far, Far Cry? Cry. Yeah. Fart but like, Cry? Sorry. Fart Cry. Sorry. I'm sorry. Farting and crying in, in the Walmart bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it has like Rayman in it. Yes. As like yes, a monster. I saw, I saw that on Twitter. I, actually, I saw it and I was like, what am I seeing? I saw a very unique and interesting screenshot on Twitter. Was it him doing cocaine? No. I saw him with coke on his nose. I saw him eating sushi off of a cow's, uh, an anthropomorph, uh, anthropomorph, anthropomorph, you got this, you got this, big breath. Anthropomorph. <laughs> <laughs> anthropomorphic? Anthropomorphized cow woman uh-huh i didn't see that oh well i think i might watch the show out of curiosity it's only six episodes so my nose piercing is sticking out 
Does anybody know what that's like in the audience? I can't even. You're asking the audience and then kind of showing me through your camera, but I can't see. Sorry. It's just bugging me. It makes me feel like there's a booger hanging out of my nose. Like I was doing cocaine in the bathroom with Rayman. With Rayman. (laughs) Just for clarity so I don't get sued. I don't actually know if he does cocaine in the show. Yeah. Don't sue me, Ubisoft. I don't think they would sue you for that. Maybe not. I don't know. You could see Rayman uh, doing any a, a, a plethora of activity on the internet if you Google it. Yeah, that's what so. Deviant Art is for. <laughs> it's in the name, to- Deviant Art. Yeah. Did you have a Deviant Art account when you were younger? No, did you? Of I did. You did. <laughs> I was a purveyor of um of Yowie. Whoa. Am I allowed to say that? I guess so, but I just wasn't expecting you to talk about pornographic anime content. No, not like that. It wasn't like I wasn't like it- seeking out explicit content. I just wanted to see to I wanted to see Ichigo from Bleach kissing Chad from Bleach. And is that oh. so wrong? Because I did it. I just thought I didn't realize it could be so innocent. I thought that was <laughs> like a a category of pornography. Well, maybe that's what it used to be, and now it's just sort of classified. It's a big umbrella. Yowie is a big umbrella, and we can all, right. all stand under it. Okay, well, uh, it's now an explicit episode, so I'm going to Google, yeah, what is Yowie porn? <laughs> it's Yowie... just boys love, right? That's like what it roughly translates to? Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's a definitive answer, though. Yeah, it so... sounds like... Focusing on homoerotic, romantic, or sexual relationships. Well, yes. <laughs> so, I was equal opportunity. You know, I wanted to see all my favorite characters in romantic situations with characters that I wanted them to get with, and DeviantArt was the perfect avenue for that at the ripe, innocent age of like thirteen. Oh my goodness! Well, uh, I think a lot makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> you might argue I've been on the internet for too long. Yeah, some things just came together for me <laughs> about Kelly. Like what? Uh, Explain. Expand to continue talking about Castlevania or Netflix animation of video games, Castlevania Nocturne came out a few weeks ago during our break, and they have announced the second season is coming down the pipeline. If you watch the series, that will not surprise you. Um, but you never know. Netflix is pretty good at canceling things. Uh, speed review, because I did watch it. Mwah. Mwah. beautiful the first half was very slow and i had i was a little worried i was like hmm this is really slow why is it so slow i shouldn't have doubted them it was because they were setting up a lot of crazy things the back half especially like just the back half of this se- season was incredible and i am so excited for the next season it was not a particularly happy season because it wasn't like fight the bad guy win it was like setting up a villainous force which means there is no real resolution. It's more of a prologue. Um, And I think it was really bold, really exciting. There were some really unexpected turns. It's interesting to see Richter in this setting because, you know, most people saw him in like Rondo of Blood or Symphony of the Night or Smash. And they just know him as this cool, happy, cutie patootie. But here he's not so cool. He's not that strong yet. He's figuring himself out. He has emotions. Still Still a cutie patootie, though. Always a cutie patootie. <laughs> but a cutie patootie with some hardcore trauma. Oh. 
and he like cries and stuff. Oh. Because he's weak. Oh. <laughs> well. Well, yes. I can't recommend the show highly enough, though. It is It was absolutely incredible, and I'm so excited for what's coming next. They set up some really interesting characters. There are some l- loose connections to the original series, um, but I think they'll become maybe more tightly wound connections as the series goes on. Um, because it's so far in the future, there's only so much they can do to connect them. It does play- take place during the French Revolution, which is very interesting. I did not know that the bourgeoisie was vampires. <laughs> um, I missed that chapter of my of my history books. Um, well, if you watched Twilight, you would know that also. I, I have seen Twilight, and I didn't know that. I thought they were <laughs> I thought they were Italian. They are. I'm just joking. I'm joking. Oh, it was clearly funny based on the fact that I fact checked you immediately. Yeah. People shouldn't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I highly recommend it. It was incredibly good. Um, I was also very excited by like the representation in the show, just like the female characters and the queer content were just like very natural and there weren't, there were no arrows being pointed being like, look what we did. Cause so like to compare it to another Netflix show that has nothing to do with games. I just watched the last season of sex education as well. And that show has always been kind of progressive and I liked the last season and all, but like as a hardcore mega leftist. I love progressive stuff, but the fourth season felt like they were doing it and pointing to be like, look, we did it. And I'm like, you don't got a point. I don't just let it be, you know, let it happen. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Castlevania Nocturne, as weird as it is for that show to do that better, it did. It really did. Like the content, like the representation is just like subtle and it's not the focus because the focus is vampires, which honestly makes it better because like if somebody with maybe some more, uh, conservative leanings was watching this they're probably less likely to get mad and they're more likely to open their mind to it because it's like oh this is just a cool character that happens to like you know to to like what andrew he just likes what does he like but now what oh i say that and you can't you can't carry on you don't know what to say after that (laughs) (laughs) uh uh um well um Yes. Why don't you tell me what you played this week instead of talking more about... About what? You know, cock. I can't say that. Why? Because I'm not allowed. I don't think it's that kind of word. (sighs) Go ahead, Kelly. Just say it once before you talk about it. No. (laughs) You can just say it once. Okay, here's what I've been playing, okay? As you can imagine, I've been kind of busy these past couple weeks with wedding stuff. So I haven't really had the opportunity to really leverage this time off. Um, But I have been playing the new Cyberpunk DLC, or expansion, I should say. Um, Phantom Liberty, which came out on September. September 27th? 27th? I'll find out. 26th. I'll find out. You keep talking. So I think uh, we had uh, we had just finished recording our last episode when it came out, right? I think. Yeah, I think it was like out for like a day. Yeah. So I um, have played that. I'm pretty much done. Um, I have like one more thing to do, <clears throat> but I won't go too heavy into spoilers. Um, 
I think that this expansion is really, really incredible. I think that um, opening up just a little section of Night City uh, really paid off very well. It feels like a totally different, totally different um, world almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Andrew, you played the game, so you know when you go to Pacifica, uh-huh. which is where like the Voodoo Boys are, and Pacifica was supposed to be this like resort area of the city where a bunch where all the corpos would go and like spend all their money and then come back to night city um but it flopped uh the project never like got completed so there's all these like half finished buildings and stuff and there's a place inside pacifica called Dogtown, and it's basically just a section of the city that's like a military state right now because it's being run by like um an arms dealer like ex-veteran like i guess veteran um this guy called Kurt Hansen um and it's kind of the whole the whole plot of the DLC is kind of like a spy thriller a spy action thriller i would say it's very interesting i feel like the story is so unique i feel like i haven't really played a story like that in a video game before it's very different from cyberpunk's main story where you don't really get to do spy stuff even though you're in a cyberpunk setting so some of the concepts that they introduce are really um, exciting and new because um, you can kind of play around with that futuristic espionage sort of thing. Um, I love the characters they introduce in this DLC. They're all very memorable. Um, Songbird, very interesting character. Um, you've got uh, Solomon Reed, who is played by Idris Elba, um, friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I wish he was friend of the me uh it's a joke i'm joking i mean i do wish he was my friend but i wish he was more than that anyway You're married kelly well yes you are married to reed though that's true um and then there's another character named alex uh she's uh, anyway the point is is that there's the the the, the expansion introduced a lot of new characters where Sometimes you would think that you'd be overwhelmed by all this new stuff, but it does a really great job of sort of integrating you into the world. And if you're you're already familiar with the game at that point, because it it only unlocks after you do a certain amount of missions, so you're familiar enough with the world and the characters and your character to feel a little less overwhelmed. Um, I I'm always a supporter of time locking DLC or expansions to when they make sense in the story. Um, I thought Keanu's inclusion in Andrew doesn't like Keanu and Cyberpunk very much, but I thought it's his just, inclusion, it's a mild, it's just a mild indifference more than anything. Right. I thought his inclusion in the DLC was really expansion. I keep calling it a DLC, which is technically what it is, but, um, his inclusion was really well done because you think that, you know, he's an actor. They probably paid him a lot of money to be in the base game. Probably not going to get him back for the expansion, but. They did, and I think hearing more of his backstory and more of his, like, actual mentality, not just, like, some of the, like, fake anarchist stuff that they sort of incorporate in the base game, but hearing more of, like, his actual mentality helped a lot to um, ground the character a little bit more, made him feel a little bit more real to me. That's very good to hear. Yeah, because when you play the base game, it's like, oh, it's Johnny Silverhand. He's such a jerk. Yeah, And it's like you don't get along with him for a long time. And if you do get along with him, the payoff is really, really nice at the end. But most players don't really have a strong motivation to because... He sucks. 
he's just not a nice guy. And a lot of yeah. the times his suggestions are just like wrong. Like he'll be like, you should do this. And then you do it and you like, fl- you like flub the whole quest. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I didn't do that. I, it wasn't me. And it's like, well, it was, but you know, um, I, I think another really strong part of this expansion is the side gigs. Um, they are a lot more in depth than they are in the base game, mainly just because there's not as many. There's like a few main story missions throughout the DLC. And each one unlocks like a new series of side gigs. And they're just very different from anything that you play in the base game. There's, for example, and I won't get too spoilery, but there's one where you have to go to this building. Basically, and what it is is that these people will like invest in these children athletes like early on in their careers. And this building that you're going to is this big training facility where they put, you know, they put like implants in these kids, these oh. like young children so that they can grow up and be better athletes. But there's this whole moral dilemma because it's like, okay, well, a lot of these kids are coming from poverty and this is their opportunity to get out of it. And you kind of, as you go through the gig, you kind of have to make the decision at the end, like, do you shut it down? Do you like, do you keep it going? Do you help this one kid? Do you help this one lady? Do you take this deal? There's a lot of options in the side gigs, which I really enjoyed because there are a lot of options in the base game. But it's usually like there's like one or two ways to solve a side gig. I feel yeah. like in Phantom Liberty, there's like four for each side gig, um, which is interesting. And then there's one where there's like this boxer and he's been throwing fights and because he's like affiliated with the gang and you can kind of help him get out of that or you can get him killed on accident, which I didn't do. <laughs> you say it like you would be liable for a crime if you did. <laughs> um. So I highly recommend if you enjoyed Cyberpunk at all, if you even had like a little smidge of fun playing it, um, even if it was buggy or whatever, I implore you to try again. Even if you don't play the expansion, there's been a lot of new features added. There's been a lot of smoothening out of the game. They've redone the whole perk system, which makes it uh, feel very new. Um, Yeah, I guess that's my question to you briefly is... Because you've played Cyberpunk more than anybody I know, like, can you instantly feel the difference with 2.0 or is it maybe a little bit more? Because you've played like all the updates, right? Yeah. I think is this you can... one way more substantial than the others then? I think, yes. I think the perk system itself is really what changes the whole thing. That's pretty, That's kind of where the 2.0 comes in is the perk revamp. I think the police AI, I don't really, that was never really important to me. Like you're not people. a crime committer, right? Not really. I mean, your character <laughs> inherently is committing crime as a mercenary. Yeah. Like, but I'm not like going around like shooting at cop cars because it's like there's no point. Like that doesn't net me any money. That doesn't give me the experience that I want. There's no story reason for my character be- to be doing that. Just chaotic. It's just chaotic for the sake of it. And I don't really know why people wanted that in Cyberpunk ever. I don't know why people were like, I want it to be like GTA. I don't know if the game was advertised as that at any point, but there is a revamped police system that's been sort of worked in. So now, you know, you see police like walking down the street in Night City, whereas before you would just see them like sometimes like in certain like little areas where they'd be around a crime scene or they'd just be. I don't even remember if you saw them driving around. I don't but think they so. drive around Not that now. I can remember. And if you hit them, you get in trouble. 
yeah. speaking from experience. Um, <laughs> I think those are probably the two big things that will set it apart for maybe you or someone else who hasn't played since, you know, maybe like a year or two ago. Um, there's a little bit more customization now with like armor and cyberware. So a big part of the game is like you can modify your character with like new um, like bones basically or like new like, oh, you can buy this pair of like augmented legs to jump higher or something like that. There's this new thing called cyberware capacity where basically you can't over you can't go over the capacity that you're currently at, which goes up with every level. But you start off and it's really low. It's like 40 or something. And, like, let's say you wanted, like, new eyes. Well, those are worth, like, 15. So you yeah. can only do those. So it kind of, like, prevents a power creep. So you, you don't have all this, like, kitted out cyberware at level 5. Yeah. It makes the game a little bit more challenging. Um, And it makes more sense in, like, for lore purposes. Because in the lore of cyberpunk, if you have too much, if you have too many modifications to your body, you are at risk of going into cyberpsychosis, which is basically just like your body and your brain can't there's they can't connect the together and you go yeah. like you go into psychosis. Um which is actually a big plot point in the animated series. Yeah. And also a big plot point in uh one of the quests of the game where you basically have to go around and um help a bunch of people who have gone into cyber psychosis and you can either kill them or uh get them help <clears throat> so uh, do you ahead. do you see any influence i mean the timeline wouldn't make a ton of sense because edge runners was kind of recently in the grand scheme of things do mm -hmm. you see any edge runners influence here though or yeah. would you say they're pretty distinct yeah definitely i mean there's like references to the edge runners characters in the game oh wow uh, I, I mean, I guess that's not that crazy. But. I won't say what they are because I think they're kind of spoilery. But um, yeah, if, if you... Edge Runners is a prequel technically, right? Yeah. Okay. So if you explore, then you'll find those references. There's a okay. part of the game where you you go there for a, a side quest and you see a bunch of different... I don't want to say anything. All right, I don't want here's to spoil what I'll say. All right, we have 15 seconds when I say go. So audience, if you want no spoilers, just hit the uh, skip 15 button. When I say go, I'm going to ask Kelly a very fast question, and then she only has 15 seconds to answer. Um, so it's going to be spoilery for Edge Runners. All right, go. So everybody died in Edge Runners. Mm -hmm. So is it's just references to them existing. More if you go anything, to right? the if you go to like the graveyard area, you can see uh -huh. their names. Oh, and, like okay. little like quotes pertaining to the characters and like okay. little symbols for them. So Okay, so it's very referential. Yeah. All right, spoiler free. We're good. I just There's had to also ask. um a, like a perk. This is not a spoiler. One of the perks okay. is like David. <laughs> okay. It's like little thing and then one of them is Lucy. I never watched the animation. Don't come for Oh, me. you didn't? No. Okay, you should. It's good, but it's better than uh, cocaine. Raymond, Raymond, R right. Raymond, <laughs> Raymond. <laughs> it's called a Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I would highly recommend, like I said, if you even liked Cyberpunk just a tiny little bit when you first played it, I would recommend playing it now. And if you have the extra money, I would definitely recommend getting Phantom Liberty. It's been a lot of fun. You get to spend a lot of time with Idris Elba. And that, to me, is enough. I mean, I don't even need... I don't even need anything more than that. If it's just me and him going for a drink, if it's just me and him um, talking at, at like a railing about like our lives, that's fine with me. I would pay $30 for that. You did pay $30 for oh. that. And I did. And I do it again. <laughs> and I do it again. Um, This one only requires a quick answer, but last question for me. I So I played Cyberpunk in what, 2020. I played it last year. Um, yeah, I played it in like February of 22. If I turn on my game, when I t- I'm going to get this DLC at some point. I'm not going to say when, but at some point. When I turn on my game, is it going to be very easy to get into the DLC as somebody who hasn't played the game in a long time? Like, will the game be like, hey, DLC over there? If I yes. load up my, my... Okay, so it's very obvious. Yeah, I think it, uh, if you are at a certain point in the game... It'll open up I'm, to you. Yeah, I mean, I'll be. I don't at know the if end. you're starting a new character or what. No, I'll just start from where I was, so it'll be right yeah. before the the final yeah. sequence. It'll be easy, and all the Phantom Liberty quest markers have like a specific Phantom Liberty icon that you can. Okay, see. so you know that you're doing DLC. And Dogtown is like it's different than Night City when you go. Do there, you have to like load into it? You kind of load into it. it you just go, you go into like a wall, and then it does like a scan thing. I think it's like a hidden loading screen. But okay. you'll uh, you'll absolutely know that you're in Dogtown. It is so different from Night City. It kind of reminds me of like, do you remember the movie District Nine? Did you ever see that movie? I'm familiar, but I didn't see it. It's kind of like it that. Like that? it's futuristic, but it's like there's a lot of like it's like kind of a. I mean, Brody. you thought Night City was depressing. Dogtown is very depressing. Yeah, I'll be playing it, especially after your review. But I just don't know when exactly. Yeah. I don't know if I want to play that or Baldur's Gate Three first. Once my game well dries up. Yeah, right? That's really tough. I would say maybe Phantom Liberty first because it's definitely shorter. It will, a lot shorter yeah. it will not take you as long. And it's just a different vibe than Baldur's Gate. If you play Baldur's Gate first, all you're going to want to do is play Baldur's Gate for yeah. like a year. <laughs> like so. some people in the show. Oh. Somebody loves it's It's Kelly. Well, I haven't played Baldur's Gate 3. Of course, Kelly's the one who loves it. Well, yes. I played... A game or two. Right. Well, we've been off for... Part of me is like, wow, I played so much in the past week. And I'm like, we've been off for like a month. So <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So I'll kind of speed round this a bit because it's what? One, two, three, four, five, six games I'm talking about. Uh, One of them I already talked about. So just to close out real quick on Sea of Stars, I finished it. Ooh. Um, I maintain the same opinion. Exceptionally beautiful game. Music's incredible. The combat, it feels really nice. Um, the story was kind of not my favorite thing in the world, but the way the characters were written made every scene entertaining. Um, it also is connected to their other game, The Messenger, which is odd because this is like a Chrono Trigger inspired RPG and The Messenger is a side scrolling like Ninja Gaiden inspired game. Hmm. So it's interesting that they're connected. And I guess there's DLC coming down the line that's going to connect them like directly instead of like kind of an implied <laughs> thing. Um, so I'm curious what that'll be. If it's free, I'll definitely get on that. Um, but I really enjoyed it. It's on Game Pass. It's on PlayStation Plus Extra. Check it out if you have those things. It, I had a fantastic time. It was shorter than I expected in a good way. It took me like 
22 hours. I'm going to double check while I continue to talk. Um, but it didn't, it was very much worth my time. Um, it didn't overstay. The only thing was that there was a secret ending that would have required me to play like another like 10 hours or so, which frustrates me when a game's like, oh, you have to do some extra things for the secret ending and it'll take you like almost as long as the game itself. Yeah, that's annoying. I was spot on. It took me 22 hours to finish. Um, wow. So, and I just watched the secret ending on YouTube, but it goes some interesting places and I really did enjoy it. So I highly recommend it to anybody who is interested in that like old 16-bit RPG style. Or if you don't have experience with that, but you're curious, it's on those services so you can try it out. Um, it was wild to me, like looking at the trophy statistics, this game had a drop off, which makes mm. sense. Any game that's like on a premium service like that, people will are way more likely to try it, but by extension, way more likely to drop it, you know? Like if a game's for sale only, people are much more likely to hold to it because they paid. Yeah. But like, there's like a drop off, like, 75% of people get the first trophy, which you get like an hour in. So I'm like, okay, 25% of people dropped off within an hour. And then the next, like two trophies later, it's like 28%. And I'm like, oh, like only a quarter of people who start this game get more than like five hours in. Yeah. But it's, I think it's just a long and kind of intimidating game. So that makes sense. Um, I also played a little indie game called Storyteller. This game came out a while ago. I believe last year it came out. Um, it's available on a ton of stuff, but it's this cute little uh, puzzle game where you have story panels and you have to drag in one or two characters per panel and dragon. an action. Sorry. There's a dragon in it. So, like, it's based on old folk tales. So, like, for example, it'll be like, well, I'm looking at one right now and it because it says the witch becomes the mirror's favorite. So, you know, think of Snow White, you put the mirror down, you put the witch down, and, and the mirror's like, no, you're ugly. And then you have to make the witch angry, so you put her in a scenario with Snow White, well, it's just a princess, so that she turns her into a frog, and then you go back to the mirror, and the mirror's like, okay, now you're hot, because because the princess is a frog, now you're hot. Um, and there's just a huge variety of different things. There's murder, there's like... uh espionage i don't know if that's the right word you can play it on netflix <laughs> oh is it on netflix well i was looking up a trailer because i like to see trailers for games that you talk about that i don't know anything about this because this did not look familiar to me and it's like on netflix it says play that's now on netflix extremely my recommendation has just oh yeah it came out a month ago i played it on switch um i my recommendation just tripled because it is a I played it on Switch handheld, which I do not do, but I was just like I feel like this needs a touchscreen and it really improved it. My my recommendation just like tripled, quadrupled. If you have Netflix, log in on your phone and download it. It's a really good game. It only took me like an hour and change to finish. Um, but it's a really satisfying little puzzler. Yeah, like seriously. I highly recommend this game now. I'm not going to talk too much about it because <clears throat> it's on Netflix and like It's really cute. Yeah. I think you'd like it a lot, Kelly. I think it's a so very, <laughs> it's a very good little like experience. So I'm not going to talk a ton about it because I'm just going to pressure Kelly into playing it. Oh, um, I forget. Like I don't hear when games come to Netflix. Like I don't know that. I know that Netflix has games, but like I didn't know this was on there. Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, it's a great mobile game. I mean, I played it on Switch, but I like I wouldn't want to play it on PlayStation. I would yeah. want to be able to touch the screen, which is rare, but it's just. The way it's built, it's clearly meant for a touchscreen. 
Um, next game I played was Cocoon. This was the new game from the lead gameplay designer behind uh, Inside. He worked with Annapurna Interactive to put out Cocoon, which is a another puzzling game. You play as a little bug man, little bug dude, kind of like a moth, um, and you carry around these big these big spheres, the colored spheres, and the spheres have special powers. So, like for example, the red if you have a red sphere on your back, you're carrying. Um, and you walk up to an unfinished bridge, it will finish the bridge for you while you have it on. Um, so if you set it down, you can't get over that bridge anymore. You have to be carrying it. Um, there's the green one that can create new platforms out of nothing. Um, there's several spheres and they all have their own powers. But the whole gimmick of the game is that there are platform, there are specific platforms you can set these spheres on and then dive inside them. And inside them is a whole nother world of puzzles. So you start with just one sphere. Um, well, actually, you start with no spheres, and you find out you are inside the first <laughs> sphere. So after you do some puzzles, you escape, and you're like, okay, you were just inside that sphere, and now you're in, like, an overworld. Okay, you keep exploring, keep exploring. Turns out you're inside another sphere, and then you do a ton of puzzles inside that sphere. It's extremely difficult to explain, and it's a very heady concept but when you are playing it, it just clicks. It makes perfect sense. It is not complicated. The puzzles are difficult, but also extremely accessible. Where like it'll like lock the door behind you when you enter a space, which is very helpful because you won't question like, oh, do I have the right tools? Oh, am I in the right place? The game's like, you're in the right place. You have the tools. Go. Which makes you feel a lot more confident in your decision making. Um <coughs> The visuals are very, very good. They're interesting. It's kind of like a simplistic art design. Um, there's not, there's basically no story. There's like some implied elements, but it's like no story. So if you're a huge fan of Inside, you might be disappointed by that. It feels like this is the best part of the gameplay of Inside, kind of distilled into a new idea. Um, but the story is not there, which sucks because like uh, Somerville came out last year as well. Which, did you, I, I played that, did you, no? Didn't you say that, it was really glitchy? It was, well, rocky? I played it on Xbox One, and it was bad. Uh. Um, the performance was the pro. it was just, like, running really slow all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you played it on PC or Series X, you'd be fine. Or on PlayStation 5 now. But, um, the story of that one was kind of interesting, but the gameplay just felt bad, so I ended up not being able to enjoy the story. Part of me's like, dang, I wish you, like, you two stayed together at a different studio because you could have like put this really special thing together. Um, the thing about Cocoon is that, you know, when you're playing a video game, the gameplay usually comes first, you know? This game doesn't have many story elements, but the gameplay is so incredibly satisfying. Like, this game is Game of the Year contender, honestly. Um, which, I mean, there's a lot of Game of the Year contenders this year, but this game <clears throat> will be up there for me because it just felt so satisfying to do all these puzzles. They're extremely complicated, but in a way that's very easy to get into. Um, the whole sphere system is very odd. It's something you would never think is like that. Sometimes it just gets so, so layered because you have like four spheres at some point and they all have worlds inside them. And sometimes you need to be diving worlds within worlds within worlds to make something happen. Like you could be like three or four layers deep and it gets very complicated, but it's still accessible. I don't know how they did it. It's just like mastery of game design here, <laughs> truly mastery of game design. And I enjoyed it 
very thoroughly. It took me about four hours to finish, which is perfect. I think if it was longer, it probably would have gotten a little too complicated. Um, I very highly recommend it, though. It's on Game Pass, so if you have a PC or Xbox, it's worth looking into. It's quick. The main character is super cute. Um, it's also fast. Uh, your little your little moth guy moves very quickly, which is nice because when you're trying to solve puzzles and you like make mistakes and you have to like walk around certain places, it can get very annoying if you're going slow. But because you're kind of zipping around, you don't get as frustrated. Um, but I had a ton of fun playing it. I was very impressed by the gameplay design. Some of the best puzzles I've ever seen, genuinely. And like, there's only one solution to problems. So, like, if you're, like, more of a puzzle fan of, like, say, Tears of the Kingdom, where it's, like, I could do 75 things to solve one problem, this game is not that. This game is, there is a solution, figure it out. Um, so, if that's really not your jam, don't don't look at this game. But if you are at all interested, I highly recommend it. I had an exceptional time playing this game. Yeah. Is it, all right, breather. You, is it, um, do you think it could win Indie Game of the Year? Yes. Yeah. I mean, Sea of Stars and Cocoon, I finished both of them very recently, and they're both uh, contenders at this point. What what in other indie games came out this year? I googled I Indie know. Games 2023, and it showed me Stardew Valley. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. People were I'll, trying to say Baldur's Gate 3 was technically an indie game. What? There's just no way. No, that doesn't. There's like hundreds doesn't... of people that worked on that game. Yeah, I think being an independent studio and being an indie game different are different. Yeah, I don't. I think that I, would. That I think Baldur's Gate Three is probably in contention for Game of the Year, not just Indie Game of the Year. Definitively, yeah. I would not call that. I would say that's an unfair advantage to it too, because like yeah. Baldur's Gate Three versus Tears of the Kingdom versus like Resident Evil Four is gonna be interesting. I think if you put it up against a bunch of indie games, it'd be kind of. An unfair bludgeoning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, not to say anything negative, but I know... Okay, so I'm just looking at games now, and Dave the Diver got a ton of good reviews, but it, I haven't played it yet because it it's just about to come to Switch. Um, like I said, Sea of Stars, Cocoon. It's definitely contender for... I'll probably... Yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe we should split our Game of the Year categories into a couple categories. Yeah. That's a really good idea. And I haven't played the Castlevania Dead Cells DLC, which I might do. But anyway, should I get back into reviews? Yeah. Final yeah. three. Halfway there. The next one will be quick, though. I played Final Fantasy VII. OG, baby. Wow. Well, before your wedding slash the release of Spider-Man and Mario, I really wanted to play all of Final Fantasy VII because I wanted to be warmed up for Rebirth in February. And I knew that there were a lot of games coming out between now and February, so I didn't want to, you know, lose that opportunity. Um, plus, the current port that exists, you can press a button, and it makes you have, like, unlimited health and unlimited limit breaks. And it basically turns it into not a video game, just a story experience. Um, because I just want—I was there for the story, and I didn't really—I just had that on the whole time, so I didn't have to worry about combat even a little bit. Um, I know from past experience the combat of Final Fantasy VII is very, very good. The materia system is very fun, and the turn-based battles feel fantastic. I did not experience that this time because I had it three times speed and just mashed X to use limit breaks li forever. Um, but I played it in like 15 hours, which is really long to just do the story, but also like 
surprising how quick it is for a game of that scope. Um, I had a great time, though. Not going to say a ton. Rebirth's right around the corner. I played that. I'm going to watch all the cutscenes from the other games. I watched the movie. Advent Children? I love that movie, yeah. You want to know something funny? I bought that on Amazon when I was like 15 or 16. Yeah. And then I watched it on my little portable DVD player in my bedroom. <laughs> did you have a great time? I did. Did you play Seven? Or were you just like cool anime boys? Well, as we know, I was very prolific on DeviantArt at the time. Yeah. And there's so probably a lot get, of like, I need them. I needed to get up on all the cloud. I needed to understand why Cloud and Sephiroth were making out on DeviantArt all the time. <laughs> Much and to I'm my sure that surprise, movie it. <laughs> when I got to Advent Children, I was like, "These two aren't involved at all." I mean, they're, they're very, friends. they're very involved. I mean, yes, that's a complicated homoerotic relationship. But yeah, they they do stabbing in a different way in the movie. <laughs> oh wow! Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great movie, though. Yeah, I, it held up better than I expected. The, the English voice acting is rough, but also like kind of charming. It's hard to hear their voices now. Because like, they're really good. <laughs> they're really good. Yeah. And there's three Teen Wolf actors. In the movie? In the new Final Fan, in the remake. Oh, okay. That's funny. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? That is very odd. Sephiroth, Cloud, and um, Bi- uh, not Biggs. Yeah, Biggs. The one that, yeah, Charlie Sheen. Biggs. That's Wedge. No, oh, wait, Wedge no, no, no. I'm having to go backwards. Wedge is... Hunter from Breaking Bad, which is why I don't know why. You I mean Badger? Questions. What did I say? Hunter. Who who's is Hunt- that? Hunter from. No, he is Badger. Who's Hunter? I don't know. There's no Hunter in Breaking Bad, right? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Badger from Breaking Bad is. Wedge. Wedge in Final Fantasy Biggs VII Remake. is the guy that looks like Charlie Sheen. And sounds like him, yeah. And is. And he's from Teen Wolf. And is. Well. Kelly's back on DeviantArt for him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Anyway, the movie was very good. The first half is kind of rough because it's a lot of voice acting and talking. But the action in the second half, like, wow, it really holds up. It's incredibly fun to watch. Um, and it is funny because, like, the CG is not as good as the new game looks in real time, which is hilarious. Um, but it did make me very excited because I think some of the elements from Advent Children will probably weasel their way into this remake trilogy. Um, so that I'm excited to see, especially like some of these characters that were kind of interesting, but badly acted, I think could be done a lot of justice these days. Um, no fault to the actors. They were just acting in a very 2004 anime way, which didn't fit like the semi-realistic look very well. Um, but alas, I highly recommend playing Final Fantasy VII. It's also on PlayStation Plus. Um, if you don't want to though, play remake, you'll be fine read a plot summary or something first i played two games as well that are new brand spanking brand spanking new which do you want to hear about first kelly spooter or mario let's talk about mario first super mario bros wonder uh thankfully so kelly had a certain big life event on the release day of these two games which to be fair to her you planned way before they did. <laughs> but uh, Amazon messed up and sent them to me a day early. So I got to play them before the wedding, which was a very exciting, very exciting for me. Um, Mario Wonder 
is just stunning to look at. Like, I knew it looked pretty from trailers and stuff. It's just different when you're holding it. It looks better than any Mario game ever has, any 2D Mario game ever has. There's just so much visual style and flair going on. It It's just incredible, and I was, I was blown away. The music is exceptional. Mario feels incredible to control. All of the characters that you can play as now all have the same controls. Um, so it's, Luigi does not have a higher jump. Peach cannot float. And that's because there are unlockable abilities through badges. So like the first badge you get is kind of like Peach's float, but every character can do it. So like Mario's hat will go above him and become big, and then he floats with his hat for a second. And all the characters can do that, which is kind of silly because like Peach and Daisy pull out hats. And I'm like, why don't you just use your dress? Like, you or used your to do umbrella. That. Yeah. What about but Peach's parasol? It's kind of. I think it's kind of silly that they pull out hats. I'm pissed it's off. It's funny. You're. Oh, Kelly's mad. I have had a good time though. It is very fun. I'm on the third world. If you're doing everything the game has to offer, it is kind of long. Uh, I'm like five or six hours in, and I'm on the third world. Um, I'm like I said, I'm doing everything that I can because it just feels so good to go through the levels. The wonder mechanic is a really awesome shakeup. So in every level, there's a wonder seed that you have to get. And to do that, you have to access a wonder flower, which makes the game go crazy. So like for some of them, it'll like, for example, there's these like little stampeding uh, rhinoceros kind of creatures. And if you get the wonder flower, oh no, there's a giant stampede. There's like a two dozen of them chasing you. And you can like ride on their backs like a train jump over all this cool stuff. There's other ones where you like the one of the craziest ones I've had so far is it turned into a top down game. So it's still the same game. Like it looks the same, but all of a sudden you're controlling like a top down game. Um, And like you realize that like these weird little background elements that were going on are the floor of the top down thing that was about to happen. So like you can't just walk anywhere. You have to walk where there's floor, which was previously just like decorative wall. Now it's the floor. Um, there's other ones where you're in space and you're just floating around trying to control yourself. Um, there's just so many things and I'm not going to go into too much detail because the wonders, the wonder effects are the highlight of the game. That's why you want to play this game. I mean, it's called Super Mario Bros. Wonder. It makes sense, but like it's what makes this game stand out and I really have been enjoying it and I've been consistently happy. Literally the second level in the game, I'm not going to tell you what the wonder effect is, but it started and I was just like giggling to myself the whole time. And I'm like, this is just, I'm feeling joy. I'm just feeling happy playing this game, um, which Mario always does to an extent. But like the previous 2D ventures for the past like decade have been a little lifeless. You know, they've been a little, a little less than incredible. And this game feels like it's truly a step forward. And like, they just had so many ideas and they all got thrown down on the table um, I heard the exciting news that Koji Kondo, the music, uh, the director of the music, suggested a wonder effect where Mario just turns into a like a, a live action person. That didn't make the game. That didn't make the cut. So wow. Just thought I'd let everybody know that. Who there's would no it have li- been? Do you think? I don't know if they thought that far ahead necessarily. <laughs> I do know that that idea did get left left on the cutting room floor though. So, but there's so many things going on and I'm like less than halfway through, but I just love picking it up and playing for a bit. And like, it's the kind of game I don't love to binge. I kind of like playing like three or four levels and then being like, okay, I'm done and then come back later. So that's why I'm not further. Um, 
Whereas the other game I played this week, far more bingeable, Spider-Man 2. I was trying to think of the theme song, but I can't think of it. (laughs) Keep going. Right? Yeah, but I was trying to think of the Spider-Man PS4 theme. What about when he goes... When he's shooting webs. Can you do that one more time so I can understand it? Oh, oh, okay. I understand what you mean now. You know? Yeah. Wait, I got it. Don't copyright strike us. I like that I'm just sitting here looking for the Spider-Man PS4 main theme song and Kelly's just keeping us entertained. You know, I I just like to have fun, you know? I just like to get silly with it sometimes. Sometimes you just got a little get a, get a little bit silly with it, you know? I can't sing it anyway, it's fine. It's just uh. kind of it's just kind of orchestral, but you recognize it when you hear it, so I give up. Spider-Man 2 came out Woo. on PS5. This game is uh starring Miles Morales, Peter Parker, uh, you can play as both of the Spider-Men. You can switch between them freely as you see fit, as long as you're not locked into like a story mission with one of them. Um, <coughs> say, if you if you know anything about Spider-Man on PS4, you know what's up. It's an open world game set in New York City. Tons of side content. Story is fun, quick. I'm like seven hours in and I'm halfway through the main story already. Um, granted, I haven't been doing a ton of side content. But I have heard that in about 25 hours, you can have everything done in this game, which for me is a good thing because I don't like games that overstay. And that's for 100% completion. Heck yeah. That's great. Um, The biggest additions to this game, because there's a lot of like little additions that are not really worth getting into. But the biggest addition is the wingsuit. So while you're flying through the air, you press triangle. Boom. Freaking flying squirrel up in here. (laughs) Uh, And you can zap through go really quickly and it, it adds a lot to the traversal which is mine and probably a lot of people's favorite part of the spider-man game my uh, game games i guess is the traversal itself S- swinging still feels incredible but having this new tool in your belt adds a lot and it, it i've been enjoying just getting around the city a lot i have not used fast travel once in my like almost 10 hours um because it just feels too good to go around and while I'm going around, I'll be like, oh, I'll find something on the way to do, like find a side event or find something, like a few enemies to beat up. Um, and I'm just having a great time. It's, for me, it's kind of a brain shut off sort of game. Um, the the gameplay loop is pretty simple. The combat's pretty straightforward in a lot of ways. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm not enjoying it a lot. The story is good. I... As I said, according to PlayStation, I'm 52% of the way through the game. And basically, like, none of the stuff from the trailers has happened yet. Which is weird to me. What about the big part where you're, like, with the water? Remember? that? What? Was like, there was, like, a big gameplay oh. segment that they showed us at. No. Oh, wow. Although I had a part of that that might have been, like, cut together different. No, I but I haven't seen that specifically. No. Mm. And, like, I haven't seen a certain big creature man yet. <coughs> right. He's on the, he's on the back. I haven't seen Venom yet. 
which is weird because he's like he's in all the marketing. He's on the back of the box and stuff. He was used to announce the game. Yeah, I haven't met him yet. That's kind of messed up because, um, I, well, I anyway, that was the point. But they're also like from what just like the past two story missions I did, it feels like the story is starting to kick off. It's it was sort of slow to start, but the gameplay itself was so satisfying, and like these characters are very well acted. They're cutie patooties, both of them. Um, Spider-Man's new design has fully, well, I should say Peter Parker's new design has fully grown on me because I know they changed him quite substantially with the remaster on PS4 or technically on PS5. Um, I'm now okay with him. I think he was really ugly when the first game came out, but like <laughs> I, I just got used to him. Um, so now him looking a lot more Tom Holland-esque, I'm okay with. Um, I think Gary Lowenthal knocks it out of the park. He's one of those voice actors where, like, when I start something and it's him, I have it takes me all to get into it because I'm like, it's just Jerry Lowenthal. But, like, once you're in the thick of it, you kind of forget. Um, and, like, he said a couple things angrily and it's okay. It's not – it's way better in context. Like, the trailers where he's like, I'm Spider-Man. Like, they sounded silly. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of like an organic flow. Like, he's angry sometimes, but, like, it kind of comes out of – like, you see it coming – Whereas, like, in the trailers, he was just angry all of a sudden. And I'm like, it's kind of hard to take him seriously. Yeah. But that's not as nearly as much a problem in the actual game. But I, I'm having a, a great time playing this game. It is just fun to go through. Um, I very much enjoyed the 2018 one and Miles Morales for what it was. These are just fun games to, like, to tear through. And I'll probably do everything. I'm probably going to get the Platinum Trophy and, you know, really experience this game to its fullest. There's not a ton coming out in the near future. WarioWare is in uh, a week from... If you're listening at time of release, it's in a week. Uh, it comes out Friday, November... Uh, I'm going to look. Friday, November 10th? 17th? Oh, let me see. I think I might be wrong. Third? No, third, yeah. Okay, so it's out in a week. After you after there's release of this episode, it's a week. Thank you for the applause. Are because I knew Mario, yeah, I already have it. Well, I don't have it. I just, I have it ordered. Mm. Um, and then Super Mario RPG is two weeks after that. Call of Duty comes out in the middle of that. If that's your jam, Avatar comes out this year. Didn't you? Did you forget about that too? That is coming out this year, December seventh. Okay. That'll be the last big game of the year because then the next thing things don't start again until like January and February. Yeah. So, wow. But yeah, I'll definitely be playing a lot more of this. I don't think Wario wears a long game. So, even if I'm still working on Mario and Spider Man, I can step away for a few hours. Yeah. Are you getting WarioWare? Of course. We'll have to play it together. Excuse I forgot they me. have a co op. They have that co op mode. Is it, isn't it like couch co op? Yeah. There's no way it's online. It's Nintendo, and that's Mario. Get it together, right? Or no, move it. Move it, yeah. Because Get It Together is the one that came out like two years ago, right? Yeah, it's September of twenty-one. Let's see. I know it has co-op. I just don't know if it's online. I I would be shocked if it was online, but no, I don't think there's an online mode. Well, we'll just have to spend time with each other. I know that's unpleasant, but (laughs) (laughs) just kidding. It's a joke. But there's a four-player mode. I mean, it's up to four players, so if any friends of the show are interested, 
you know. We're busy that day. <laughs> don't talk to us. Don't spend time with us. Right. We'll be busy watching a, a certain movie. Oh, right. Can we? No. I'm done talking about games. I'm done talking about Spider-Man. Okay. So can we tell people next week's Halloween, y'all. This The next episode we'll be releasing on Halloween. Which is, how often does that happen? Once in a... Spooky. Is it every seven years? How's that work? No, because of leap years. Uh, when is Halloween on a Tuesday? Ooh. I'm just curious. There's but a ghost in here. We always do... I don't care anymore. Also, I googled it and a bunch of ghosts came up from the bottom of Google screen. <gasps> now you're going to google it. Google when is Halloween in... You can probably just Google Halloween and it happens, I bet. <gasps> oh, they're so cute. <laughs> There's a little kitty cat. They were very precious. Wow. So, Google. Kelly and I, uh, there's no big horror games to play. Well, Alan Wake comes out on Friday, but I'm not I'm not playing that. Are you playing I, that? I kind of want to, but I'm also kind of broke right now. So Yeah. I th- It feels like the kind of game that should be on Game Pass because I want it to be. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll play it and then talk about it. The next week? The week after. Well, then it's going to be November. <laughs> it's not going to be spooky I mean, it's, anymore. It will still be per Alan Wake 2 will probably be well received so yeah um which is funny because like i watched that there was an xbox show today um which we didn't talk about because there wasn't anything they showed metal gear solid 3 but they didn't really show metal gear solid 3 um but there was an alan wake trailer to close out the show and like it was really long and i was like guys this game's out in like less than 48 hours yeah why is this the show closer it's interesting i guess it's the launch trailer right I guess, but it was also like an odd trailer. It was like a pretty well cut together trailer, and then it cut to like two minutes of uninterrupted gameplay, and I'm like, why is this like two trailers strung together? Mm. And it looked good. It looks good, but like I'm like, this game's out in two days. Just yeah. le- less than two days. Like it was at noon, which means it was out in 36 hours. Yeah. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. Anyway, so Kelly and I needed something special to do for Halloween. And I, I, I begged her, uh, I begged very thoroughly that we would both watch a certain film that comes out the same day as Alan Wake 2. Um, and she agreed. So next week, we'll be back for our October 31st special, mm-hmm. Halloween. And we'll be reviewing Five Nights at Freddy's, the film. That's the song, right? Yeah, I didn't know what you're doing. It's like the song that plays in Five Nights at Freddy's when Freddy's come to get you. Yeah. I would let him get me. Is he part of your deviant art taste as well? Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. Wait, I have one more thing to say. Okay. Happy, well, I'll save it for next week. Happy almost Halloween, everybody. We look forward to uh, talking to you next week about um, some spooky, spooky stuff. Are you looking forward to it? I am. 
Looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking with you. I want to make the audience understand. We are both watching this film. We are not watching this film together, <laughs> which will be bad for the enjoyment of it. It's going to yeah. be harsh. It's going to be rough. It is not well-reviewed, but we're going to do it for you guys. I'm also doing it for Josh Hutcherson. I like him too, but that's also a bad reason to watch a movie with the reviews that it's getting. I bet that song's in there. Yeah. What if it's really, what if we like it? What if I love the Five Nights at Freddy's movie? I don't know. I'm I'm willing to give it a chance. I mean, whatever, man. I, I don't think Five Nights at Freddy's, I'm not, in it, it's such a phenomenon. I'm not engaged to that level that some people are. I know, you're are. married. Oh, that's really funny, Andrew. You're welcome. Keep going. Um, So I don't really know. I feel like I can sort of look at it with a different eye than maybe people who are fans of the game series and or maybe just people who are like trying to watch a scary movie so i mean it's on peacock so we don't have to pay to go to theater i would not pay to go watch this in a theater it's just such a unique like it's shocking to me that it's been made into a movie because it's such a unique experience like the video game it's so Mm -hmm. reliant on like the player being in control and when the control is ripped out of the player's hands I feel like it might not translate super well, and maybe that's why the reviews are so low. It's also a big cast, which it's confuses also me. PG thirteen. It is not. It is no, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's awful. They had to appeal to the children that are obsessed with that with that series. That's insane. I am. That is the most surprising thing I've heard. Are you kidding me? No. How do you make a PG thirteen movie about a, a children being killed? That's a great question. That... The games are not rated teen. Are I they? Know. Well, maybe they are. Let's it's find out. It's not like there's any like swearing or like, and all the violence is kind of alluded to, you know? I guess they're just so violent. It's rated teen. That's, That's crazy. Hey, you know what though? On IMDb, it has a 7.2 out of 10. It We, FNAF fans... Okay, here's the problem. Critics are going to hate it because, of course, they're going to hate it. FNAF fans are going to love it because, of course, they're going to love it. You and I are neither of those things. What are we going to think? I don't know. We'll have the most valuable opinion, actually, out of anybody. You might be right. I am right. Nobody's oh. mo- Nobody in this world <laughs> will have a better opinion than us, which is generally true about everything. So that's yeah. why people listen, because we have the best opinions. That is true. Anyway, I am I'm still reeling from that PG thirteen. Are you serious? I was all upset about the fifty thousand cast members. I mean it's like a dozen, but I would assume like, why does this movie not have one cast member, you know? Yeah. Like Shaggy from Scooby Doo will hire Josh Hutcherson, but then it should just be just Josh Hutcherson, right? Because the whole thing is you're all alone. But I guess so, yeah. But there's, like, the kids. I don't really know. But the kids can't die. It's PG-13. Can kids die in PG-13? Maybe in, like, creative ways. Like like getting sunk into a ball pit. Oh, or being off screen. Hey, thank you guys so much. We're talking more about it this week than we might next week. I know. Let's wrap it up (laughs) so we have something to talk about next week. Besides um, Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. 
well, that's all we'll have to talk about next week, probably. Unless there's... Yeah, that'll probably be it. Unless Kelly decides to go a, a little bit into debt to buy Alan Wake 2. Maybe. We'll see them reviews. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you for your patience as we've been off for a little while. I appreciate you allowing me this time to celebrate. Um, I'll see you next week for a very spooky episode edition of Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. Boo! And bye!